Welcome to the podcast of the First Baptist Church of Dumas, Texas, featuring biblical teaching and preaching from God's inspired, inerrant, and infallible Word. If you live in the Panhandle area and are looking for a church home, we'd love to see you at First Baptist Church. We meet every Lord's Day for Sunday school at 9 a.m. and morning worship at 10.30 a.m. We also have midweek discipleship opportunities for all ages on Wednesdays. For more information, visit us at fbcdumastx.com. That's fbcdumastx.com. You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram. Now open your Bible as we explore God's Word together. All right, so we've talked about why we're sisters in Christ. Um, And we've looked at just some of the characteristics of what it looks like to live out this unity that we have with one another. Um, and so now we're just gonna do a little bit of looking at some of the, the how. How do we do this? How do we, li- um, how do we develop or cultivate um, deeper friendships with each other? How do we maybe deal with some of those struggles and challenges that come our way with, with our relationships? Um, and so I wanna start us off really back at the beginning of what we were talking about, and that is our union with Christ. And so I want to start us off by thinking first about how um, Jesus is our perfect friend. Um, Because we really can't uh, have a relationship uh, with other people, um, befriending other people, um, apart from that relationship that we have with him. Um, So we start there, and that's, I'm going to spend a little time just kind of looking at just the different characteristics of our friendship with with Jesus and how that um, helps us as we consider our own friendships. You may be familiar with Charles Spurgeon. He was a well-known pastor from the 1800s. He once said, Oh, to be able to say, Christ is my friend is one of the sweetest things in the world. I don't know if you've ever considered the fact that Jesus is your friend. Um, he's, he's our perfect friend. He, he stands by us. Um, he, his love for us is unconditional. Uh, it's not based on who we are or what we've done. Um, he doesn't make promises and then fail to keep them. He doesn't turn on us and reject us. Um, He's loved us from all time. Um, And there's nothing that can separate us from him. Uh, He knows what is best for us, and he makes sure that the best happens for us. Um, He knows everything we need before we need it. Um, So he's, he's truly the best friend that we that we have, uh, one that we never, we didn't deserve, um, and really the one that we all need. And so our friendships with others really have to be uh, rooted in that friendship that we have with Jesus. They can only bear fruit out of that uh, connection that we have with him. Um, And so, you know, I want us to be thinking every time that we... um, Think, think about our relationships with other people and every time we encounter uh, struggles even in our relationships that we always go back to Jesus as our perfect friend 
And so, you know, there are times in life when we do feel um, disconnected from others, uh, when we feel lonely or friendless, um, and that's when we look to our relationship with Jesus. Um, Charles Spurgeon reminds us of how um, much Jesus loves us and how, for how long he's loved us. I, I really appreciate this quote. He says, how long has Christ loved you? When the ages were not born, he loved you. When this world was an infant wrapped in the swaddling clothes of mist, he loved you. When the old pyramids had not begun to be built, his heart was set upon you. And ever since you've been born, he has had a strong affection for you. Um, I think that in those times when we are uncertain about, you know, maybe how to be a friend to someone, um, we can look to our friendship with Jesus then too because he shows us in his life and his death of what it looks like to be a true friend. He gives us wisdom when we need it, uh, when we ask for it, and helps us to be a friend that we need to be to others. In those times when we have friends that uh, maybe mistreat us or judge us or criticize us or uh, gossip about us, we remember that Jesus is the perfect friend who never fails us. He never leaves us. He, he only speaks things about us that are right and true. Um, there may be times when we struggle with uh, sin and temptation in our life, and it seems like there's, there aren't any friends there to, you know, come alongside us and encourage us. We remember Jesus and our friendship with him and that he... Uh, never fails to intercede for us before the Father, um, but he's always advocating for us. Um, there are times when we may, uh, where it may seem like there's just conflict everywhere we turn, and, and our heart is saddened to see maybe friendships fall apart. We remember our Savior then, too, because he died to redeem and restore all that is broken, and that he is at work to make all things new. So as we think about ways to cultivate our friendships, um, as we face challenges in friendships, we remember our friendship with Jesus because he shows us how to be a friend. Um, he shows us how to love and serve others because that's, that's what he's done for us. Um, and we can only be um, a true friend to someone else uh, only insofar as we know the friendship um, that Christ has for us. So let's uh, think about the various ways that we start uh, a friendship with someone, how they develop. Um, you know, very few friendships start out immediately as, as a deep friendship. We all start out as, as uh, like an acquaintance. Um, you know, we meet somebody and, and discover we have something in common. Uh, maybe we spend time together sharing that common interest with each other. Um, and then over time, we experience, you know, big events in our lives. We comfort each other through challenges and losses. And then over time, we look back and we realize, oh, we have a dear friend. Um, but one thing I want to point out is that while... Every um, believer in our church family uh, is our brother and sister in Christ. We don't instantly have that close um, 
trusting relationship with each other. Uh, we wouldn't um, go up to anybody, just anybody in our church, and just start sharing our deepest wounds and heartaches and sins with them. Um, I think it would be impossible to have such a, a close relationship with literally every person in our church. Um, I like to think about our relationships with one another as like a, a target. Um, my my kids used to do like bows and arrows and archery and stuff, and, and we had one of these giant uh, targets that we set out for them. And, you know, there, it's a series of these concentric circles. Um, so if you think of those, the very out, outer rings of the circle as, as the acquaintances that we know. Um, there are people in our church that we, we know their names. Uh, we might know some facts about them. Maybe we know where they work or where they, you know, came from. But we don't know truly their hearts. Um, and so they're the people on the outside. You know, we, um, we might make a meal for them. We certainly pray for them when we hear about prayer requests. Um, but then a little bit further in on that, on that uh, ring of circles, um, there are people that we know at a deeper level. Perhaps we are in a, a small group with them. Maybe we are in a Bible study with them. Uh, these are people we know a little bit better. We might hear a little bit more about their story. Um, we might um, even encourage them uh, in the gospel as we, as we share within our small groups. They're going to know more about us than other people in the church. Um, and I think out of these people, um, these people, friendships will go even deeper over periods of time. And they're the ones that will come even closer into the center of the circle. Uh, it, through time and history, through experiencing things together, these people will start to show that they're the ones who are, are trustworthy. Um, they'll become the people that we share our deepest uh, struggles with, uh, maybe seek accountability from them. Um, and those are the ones that are in the center of the target, where the circle is smaller. Um, and so these are the people that you turn to when you maybe have uh, doubts in your faith or you need prayer about a, a temptation you're facing. Um, if you think about it, even our Savior had, um, among the disciples, he had disciples that he was closer to than others. It was uh, Peter, James, and John who he, he invited to come with him uh, to the Garden of Gethsemane and pray for him. And so they, they had a deeper relationship than he did with, with the rest of the twelve. Um, because we live in a fallen world where everybody <laughs> is a sinner, there are, there are people in our churches who um, may not show that they're trustworthy. Um, there are certainly people who may call themselves a Christian, but they don't understand the gospel. Um, and we've probably all had experiences with friendships where people we thought we could trust in maybe revealed that they, they couldn't be after all. Um, and so I, I, d I don't think this means that we shouldn't ever uh, trust anyone. Um, we should never share our true selves with people, but I think it does mean that we uh, take time with friendships, that we, we wait for, um, for friendships to grow, for trust to, to prove itself. And, and that's what um, Spurgeon wrote. He, he cautioned that we wait until we know more of our friend, 
um, that we see him, examine him, try him, test him, and not until then enter him on the sacred list of friends. He says, be friendly to all, but make none your friends until they know you and you know them. Many a friendship born in the darkness of ignorance has died suddenly in the light of a better acquaintance with each other. So there is some caution to take um, and time. I think time is the, the biggest lesson there. And so uh, to forge a, a really strong, lasting bond, we have to go through things together. And that's, that's where time comes into play. We often have to go through seasons of suffering together before we see that uh, another person is has stuck it out with us. But there are some practical ways to really cultivate deeper friendships. Um, I don't know if anyone in here um, likes to garden. Anybody? A gardener? Likes to, you know, my, I'm not. Um, everything I... I can even kill a succulent, which doesn't take a lot of attention. But <laughs> my neighbor does amazing things with um, with plants, and I just love to watch her yard every spring and see everything kind of come to life. And um, whenever I talk to her about it, she like knows which plants need I don't know certain types of light, and and which ones don't. And, you know, she's always kind of walking and checking and, and just providing what, what her plants need. Um, when when uh, January I had like the, my New Year's resolution was to start growing plants and I bought all of these and I I killed each and every one within a, within a few weeks. So, um, but you have to, to really have a plant grow and thrive you have to know what it needs and you have to nurture it and you have to take care of it and tend it and I think that's the that's true for a friendship um, I would venture to say that we all long for close friendships with others we we want to have people in our lives that we can count on uh, people who know us who understand us um, people who stick by us um, but these types of friendships don't happen over the overnight um, you know, our friendships aren't going to go any deeper than talking about our favorite television show or the status of our favorite, you know, sports team if we're not intentional uh, to see that it does. So just like a, you know, a plant needs water and sunlight and, and rich soil, a friendship uh, isn't going to thrive if we just leave it all to its own. Uh, we can't expect a strong, close, and healthy friendship with someone that we never talk to or see. Uh, we can't expect a friend to be there for us when we're suffering if they don't know what's going on in our lives. Uh, we can't expect a friend to share their hopes and dreams and struggles and temptations with us if we've never shared ours with them. So if you have um, a friend in your life who, who you like you like to get to know better, uh, you would like to see that relationship go a little bit further in on that circle, um, you know, maybe invite them out to coffee, um, have them over to your home for a meal, maybe even um, ask, ask her if she would like to read a book together and talk about it, um, pray together, um, and, and as you do share about your life, not just the facts of your life, um, but what your struggles are, those things that, 
you know, are kind of behind the mask that we often put on when we um, are out around other people. Um, because when we hear that other people are, are battling sin, um, who are wounded and hurt by life, um, that other people's dreams have been broken too, we realize that we're not alone. Uh, we, we tend to think that we're the only ones who are going through hard things, but the truth is everybody is going through hard things. And when we share those things with one another, we start to see each other with, uh, with different eyes. Uh, deep friendships take time, and they're often forged through the fires of suffering and trial. Um, just like, you know, a gardener gets, you know, gets her hands dirty and messy as, as she's tending her plants, uh, a friendship can get messy at times. Uh, we certainly have to sacrifice time to be there for our friends. Uh, we'll have to hear hard stories of things that have happened in their lives. We'll have to walk with friends through painful things, but as we do so, as we walk alongside people through their sorrows, we show them that we're trustworthy. Um, as we remind them of their hope in Christ and as we preach the gospel to them, uh, we lift them up and we help them forward in their faith. And as we go through those kinds of seasons we, with people, uh, it, it bears fruit. Uh, we're going to learn more about our friend uh, through a season of suffering than any other time that we go through with them. Um, you know, we, we will start to turn to each other in our mutual joys and sorrows. Uh, and then you look back over the years and you realize you truly have a deep friendship with a sister in Christ. So I would say that today, if, you know, if you're longing for a deeper friendship with someone, to first pray about it. Um, pray that the Lord would bring people into your life, um, you know, that, that need friendship uh, just like you do. Uh, pray for opportunities to befriend others, to serve others, uh, to disciple someone else. And, and pray through all those twists and turns and upside downs that come up um, as you navigate uh, friendship. Friendship and community is God's idea. He desires it for us. Uh, he calls it, us to it. Um, and so that's a prayer I think that he, he will answer for you. Uh, secondly, I would say participate in whatever um, your church community offers. Um, that's the best way to connect with others is to participate in what's going on in the life of the church, whether it's a, a Bible study, a small group, um, whatever fellowship activities that you have. Um, the best way to know people is to be a part of what's happening. You know, you, you can't know others or be known by others if you uh, come into church on Sunday morning and kind of slink into the back row right as the preacher starts preaching and then you leave right as he's about to give the benediction. Yeah, you're never going to know anybody that way. So you want to be um, present and uh, participate. I would say thirdly, um, to be purposeful and intentional in engaging with other people. Um, look for those who are in need um, and help meet those needs. Um, if you know someone is, is struggling with some, something, someone has gone through something recently in their lives, um, reach out to them and, you know, maybe ask to meet for lunch or a coffee. Um, 
be watchful for those who are on the outside. You know, whenever you're in a church, there's there's always the group of people who do all the things, who, who do all the stuff for the church, and there's always these people on the outside. Uh, look for those people. Uh, look for those who are new. Look for those who don't seem to fit in and, and seek to get to know them. Uh, you can't wait for friendship to happen to you. You want to be a friend first to others. Um, and then thirdly, plan. Make, make intention, I mean, fourthly, make intentional plans uh, to foster and cultivate community. Uh, this was something that um, my, my husband and I did at our church. We, we were struggling to find community, and I think we had expected it to just happen to us. And then we finally realized, no, we have to do the work um, to make it happen. And so we, we really challenged each other on a Sunday morning to see how many people we could meet um, you know, if, if there was a new family that came to visit, you know, we would challenge each other to say, hey, did you meet that person? I did. <laughs> um, and then we, we even, like, made plans every Sunday to invite someone to lunch or, or over to our house. Um, and so to think ahead and make plans, you know, who, who could I reach out to this week? Who could I, um, it, you know, invite over for a meal? Um you know, is, is there a group of, of other moms who have little kids that I can invite and we can have a play date together? So making plans, I think, is, is a, another way that you can intentionally make those steps. But because we are all sinners, um, there does come a time in church life where we do hurt one another, you know? Um, there's a conflict about something. We, we take sides on an issue. Um, our, you know, our feelings get hurt. Um, certainly, we've we've all been there. I've been through a couple of different like divisions in in church, and I you know would see groups of families leave, and I I felt like I was in the middle of a divorce or something because um, it felt like a part of me had been cut off. So, what do we do when when friendship hurts in the church? Um, Paul, the Apostle Paul wrote to the church in Philippi about two women who had a conflict. Uh, their names were Euodia and Syntyche. And Paul, um, he really admonished them about this conflict. He said, I entreat Euodia and I entreat Syntyche to agree in the Lord. Yes, I ask you also, true companion, help these women who have labored side by side with me in the gospel, together with Clement and the rest of my fellow workers, whose names are in the book of life. Now these are just two verses in uh, Philippians chapter 4. Um, Paul discusses these two women, that they've had some sort of conflict, we don't know what it is, but it was serious enough that Paul had to point it out. Um, and so this letter was written to the church at Philippi, and everybody in the church reads it, but then they often even pass these letters on to other churches. So lots of people heard about these two women. And then if you think about it, it's in our Bible. So like <laughs> everyone who's read the Bible since then now have now heard about these two women. <laughs> um, but these women served with Paul in ministry. Um, and he was urging them to do what he wrote in Philippians 2, where he said, Complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. So he wanted these women to remember their unity 
in Christ and with each other. He also asked some unnamed person uh, to help these women resolve their conflict. Um, Now, this passage in Philippians is not the only account that we read of where there was some sort of disagreement or conflict. Um, In Galatians, Paul talks about a conflict that he had with Peter uh, when Peter refused to eat with the Gentiles um, because of fear of what people would think. Um, There was some disagreement between Paul and Mark that you may be familiar with in in the book of Acts. Um, And then in, you know, in the church in uh, Corinth, there was some um, kind of groupings of people saying, well, I I follow Paul, I follow Apollos. So conflict is certainly something that started, you know, at the start of the church. Um, And you've probably been a part of that in, in your own life as you've experienced different churches over the years. Um, we're all sinful, and so we're going to hurt one another. Um, and so I, I think conflict is just as real today as it was in Paul's day. And I think that's why Paul spent so much time talking about our unity with Christ. Um, you know, we talked before about how you we're united to one another uh, through the blood of Christ. And that's why when we do have some sort of um, discord or disunity, Um, that it's so serious because it breaks that unity. Um, Our Savior died to create the church. He died to create uh, the one body that we have. And whenever we have some sort of conflict, it it really divides this family. Uh, And then it mars our gospel influence to the world around us. Francis Schaeffer said, We cannot expect the world to believe that the Father sent the Son, that Jesus' claims are true, and that Christianity is true, unless the world sees some reality of the oneness of true Christians. And so that's why Paul called out these two women for all the world to, to see, <laughs> um, because their conflict with one another was, was um, harming the Christian unity of the church and their gospel witness to the city of Philippi. And so we must um, make every effort to maintain the peace and unity of what our Savior died to create. Um, And in the case of these two women, uh, it meant Paul admonishing them. It meant uh, another person coming alongside them and helping them, uh, you know, resolve it. Um, You know, and, and in our case, sometimes, uh, you know, maybe it means having a mediator come in and, and help um, resolve a conflict. Um, we must help each other live out the gospel whenever we have uh, a disagreement. Um, we can also follow the instructions that Jesus gave in the book of Matthew, where he talked about what to do when you disagree with someone. Um, you know, he told, taught us to first go directly to that person and talk to them about what you have a conflict over. Um, we don't first go to all our friends and tell them about the conflict. Before we go and talk to the person, we go to the person directly. Um, and we do so in love. Um, but if for some reason they're resistant to us, uh, we then go back to them with, you know, another person. Um, and we try again. Um, This may mean that we include maybe church leadership uh, and get their help and assistance in it. But we want to do what um, Paul wrote in Ephesians 4, where he said, to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you've been called with all humility 
and gentleness with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. I thought I would focus in on one area that creates, I think, some conflict and disunity in the church. Um, I'll present it to you as a riddle, though, because I have kids who have enjoyed riddles over the years, and uh, I've never been able to guess them whenever they <laughs> whenever they come up with a new one. But this one I invented myself, and I, I feel pretty good about it. Uh, it's what unites and divides at the same time. The answer is gossip. Um, we all know what it's like to hear... Uh, just some news about somebody else. Uh, we kind of are drawn to it the way a moth is drawn to the light. You know, when someone has a story to share, we, we kind of tend to lean in, you know, we want to hear it. Uh, Proverbs 18.8 says, the words of a whisperer are like delicious morsels. They go down into the inner parts of the body. And so we, we kind of devour gossip like candy. Um, but it's actually poisonous. Um, it, uh, gossip unites us to one another because we, we all want to hear it, um, but then when we go on to share that story with others, um, it's, it becomes a poison that divides us. Um, gossip is sharing information about someone else that hurts their character in the eyes of another. Um, sometimes it's true, sometimes it's not. Um, it you know, sometimes it seems like just talking about uh, something about someone else uh, is powerless. I mean, really, how could just sharing words be so deadly? But the truth is, um, gossip spreads like a plague. It hurts everyone in its path. So we, you know, we hear news about someone else, and we kind of shake our heads in judgment. We then share our negative opinion of someone to others. Uh, and then we influence that person's thoughts about someone who really isn't there to defend themselves. Uh, that person who's talked about is left defenseless and hurt. Um, and oftentimes gossip makes people take sides on, on things. You know, some will stand um, with the person who's being gossiped about and others might stand in opposition. Um, and so that it divides people. And it breaks trust between friends. Um, you know, a friend may confide in us about something that's happened, and then we go on and we share that information that they gave us to someone else. Um, Proverbs 11.13 says, Whoever goes about slandering reveals secrets, but he who is trustworthy in spirit keeps a thing covered. So, it, you know, if you've ever confided in someone, um, shared something with a friend, uh, and then you find out later that they shared it with somebody else, you know that barrier that that created in your friendship with them. It's, it's kind of hard to trust them in the future. You always wonder, what are they going to do with this information? Uh, and the truth is that a person who is known as a gossip um, often has few friends. Um, Proverbs 20.19 says, He who goes about as a slanderer reveals secrets. Therefore, do not associate with a gossip. Uh, the Bible says that gossip is sin, um, and, and sometimes we think it's like less serious of a sin than others, um, maybe because everybody does it, but it's actually included in the list of sins in Romans 1. 
uh, alongside things like evil and malice and envy and murder um, and haters of God. So it's it, the Bible takes gossip pretty seriously, and we should too. Uh, we should avoid it at all costs. Uh, we should take drastic measures to resist it. You know, if someone starts to tell us something uh, that they've learned about someone else, um, even if it's wrapped in the form of a prayer request, uh, we need to kind of say, hey, that, that's, I, I don't need to hear that. Um, we don't want to participate in something like that. And sometimes it means that we have to, you know, remove ourselves from people who just tend to gossip all the time. And when a friend does confide in us, uh, we need to, take, to keep that information to ourselves. It's, it's not our story to give away. Uh, we really have to have their permission before we talk about uh, what they've shared. Instead of sharing others' stories, we really um, are called to speak only what is good and right. Uh, as Paul wrote in Ephesians 4, he said, Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up, as fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear. So when you're speaking with a friend, the, the question is, is what you're saying good? Is what you're saying appropriate? Does it give grace? And when someone has hurt us or let us down, instead of turning and telling others about it, uh, we should pray for the person who hurt us. Um, instead of inviting others to take sides against that person who maybe uh, hurt us, we should ask God for, for help and, and the grace to forgive them. We should pray for uh, God's work in their lives and, and pray for unity and restoration. Uh, gossip is certainly tempting to listen to and to participate in and to share. Uh, it, it you know, tastes sweet, I guess, when we, when we hear it. Um, but just because something tastes good doesn't mean it is good. Um, gossip is deadly and it divides and it breaks our unity. And so we want to avoid it and turn from it to preserve the unity of the church. And so we've, we've kind of taken a look at what it looks like to um, develop friendships. We've looked at how it takes time and that it takes intentional effort to do so. Uh, that it, um, we have to go through things with, with our friends in order to see uh, trust, um, even on, on both sides. Um, we've talked about the truth that there is conflict, there is struggle in the church, and that we have to take it seriously, and that we have to, to work to keep our unity. Um, so as we come kind of to the end of, of, this, of this talk, um, I want to encourage you as you go about to your normal lives, that as you seek to pursue deeper friendships in the church, that you uh, remember Jesus and that you keep him at, at the front um, that you can't because you can't do it apart from him. It is your unity with him uh, that comes before you your unity with others. Uh, and so you need to uh, abide in him um, before you can love and serve one another. Um, and so I have this uh, poem that I wrote uh, that I think kind of summarizes what what we've talked about and the things that we've, been learning, and so I'm going to end with this poem, and then um, you have a few discussion questions. 
So this poem is um, called My Sisters Are There. When my heart is heavy and tears flowing and my world is fast twirling and spinning, when all I have is ripped out of my hands and I'm sucked into a Job-like quicksand, when I'm hurt and broken and filled with doubt and all I've known is twisted inside out, my sisters are there. When accusing voices echo in my head, reminding me of what I've thought, done, and said, when the temptation to sin is far too great and my desires snap at each and every bait, when I hate and despise everything I do and feel so worthless, wretched, shameful, and untrue, my sisters are still there. When I'm hungry, thirsty, and need a bed, as the bills pile higher and above my head, when there's no work and no way I can live, and my hands are empty with nothing to give, when I'm weary, hopeless, and in great need, stricken by circumstances that won't recede, my sisters are there. When the door of blessing opens up wide and life's joys are found waiting there inside, when God answers my heart's deepest cries and heals, blesses, and provides, when my longings are granted and dreams come true, my work prospers and all I have is new, my sisters are there. We are woven together, each strand knit tight. My hurts are your hurts, my joys your delight. There's no shock when I confess guilt and sin, you remind me of grace working within. All my needs you meet with love and care, walking beside me, my burdens you bear. My sisters are always there. Christ is our king, our master, our head. We are his body, by him we are led. United by his blood, shed for our sin. We are family, yet unlike any other kin. Our union will long outlast the sun as we live forever worshiping the risen sun. Let me pray. Father in heaven, um, I thank you for your church. I thank you for your son. I thank you for um, your spirit who is at work in us. Uh, I just pray that as we um, go forward, as we uh, seek to grow deeper in our uh, relationships with one another, uh, that your spirit would be at work in us, that you would strengthen us, that you would help us to love one another as your son has loved us. Uh, and I pray that um, we, would just, we would just be a light for you and that the world would know um, that you loved us. I pray all this in Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening. For more information about what it means to follow Jesus as Lord, you can email us at fbcdumas at hotmail.com. It's fbcdumas at hotmail.com. You can also reach us by phone at 806-935-5604. We'll see you next time.